AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Markets are closed and do not go to the mailbox because that trip out into the cold isn't going to do you any good either. All the government offices are closed, but we've got a fresh AgriTalk coming your way. We've got to check in on what's happening in the used equipment market, and let's get some thoughts on what to expect from lenders in the year ahead. Martin Luther King Jr. Day morn via Farm Journal broadcast. This is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with machinery Pete Greg Peterson. Then it's Alan Hoskins from American Farm Mortgage. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis. January 15th, 2024, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Mm-hmm. It's his actual birthday as well. Is that is that right? Yes. Yeah, huh. born in 1929. How nice when the when the holiday actually falls on the birthday itself. <laughs> Lines up. Yeah. Lines up exactly. That's, That's right. It's, That's right. It's a good way to start the year, I feel like. Right, right. Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us on this Monday morning. My goodness. Um, I hope everyone stayed safe over the weekend. I hope everyone found a way to stay warm over the weekend. And if you are in the state of Iowa... I hope you can figure out a safe way to get out to the caucuses this evening because uh, it's a big day, big day for the state of Iowa. Yes, big day uh, for the for the nation, really, Chip. Well, sure, sure it is. Yeah, it's the first measured test mm-hmm. of the candidates for president of the United States. Of course, uh, the the uh, on the Republican side, I should say, mm-hmm. and uh, the expectations are that that President Trump is going to handily win the caucuses here in Iowa this year. And I think it'll be interesting. I think the results mm-hmm. are going to be, it could be a, a bit tighter than than what the polls are suggesting at, at this point. So well, we'll have Chip, to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. Uh, AgriTalk has done its part uh, early here in the election season to mm-hmm. give, the, give the candidates a, a platform, you know, a chance right. to answer our five questions and, I would just point out that half of those who are still in the race have shown up on AgriTalk. Yeah, I don't know if there's a right. connection or not, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Vivek, hint, hint, you know? Yeah. Uh, Big Donnie, hint, 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 <laughs> you know? <laughs> you want to make it happen? Let's, We're your guys, all right? Come on over. Yeah, let's get it going. Let's get it going. <laughs> let's get them on here and yeah. and get things figured out. And we will not say no to JFK Jr. We will not say not. no to President Biden if he wants we'll to come on. And answer the five questions, of course. We'll be fair. Yeah, Yeah. of course. Yeah. All right, man. What do you got in the news? Well, dude, Friday was a big day report-wise. A couple of details here. USDA raised its corn production estimate 108 million bushels to a record 15.342 billion bushels. The yield estimate was raised 2.4 bushels to a record 177.3 bushels per acre. Uh, the agency cut harvested corn acreage by 583,000 acres to 86.513 million acres. Let's pause there, and we'll come back for the beans in a moment, Chip. Okay. 177.3 for a Oof. national average corn yield. Dude, where did that come from? 
I don't know. I don't know. Um, this this is a setup. When you look back over time, these big changes that we get in the January uh, annual production summary from the November crop production report are really they're driven by the quarterly grain stocks report. In other words, there was more corn out there on December one than what they anticipated. Therefore, it must be because the 2023 crop was was bigger than expected. It couldn't be that there was more of the 22 crop left over than mm. than what they thought at the at the end of the 21 22 mark or 22 23 marketing year. You know, there's lots of things that go into that December one stocks, but when it's out of whack with what they expected, they got to find some place to put it and you put it in a bigger crop for the for the current mm. year. So mm. we'll see. It, it's going to create some issues down the road, Davis. Um, look for the quarterly grain stocks reports to be the most volatile days of trade that we have in the corn market going forward. Well, let's talk about the soybean side. USDA yeah. raised its soybean production estimate 36 million bushels to 4.165 billion bushels. That was more than expected. USDA increased yield just seven-tenths of a bushel to 50.6 bushels per acre. Harvested soybean area was cut 435,000 acres to 82.356 million acres, Chip. It is amazing what the late August and September rains did. You know, the the reason that I'm questioning the corn number at 177.3 is because you're not adding yield in late August and early September on corn. Not typically. Uh, after those rains came but on soybeans you can do that and i think we probably did add some yield or at least stabilized what was out there with those september rains uh in in september of of 23 so still there's a lot of of questions and and the the grain stocks report even for soybeans is are going to be interesting days in in 2024 well, let's talk about 2024, where the World Bank warns about the global economy's poor growth prospects. This for the upcoming year. According to their projections, the global economy is expected to expand by just 2.4%. That's down from 2.6% in the previous year. Chip, the slowdown is attributed to higher borrowing costs and geopolitical tensions, which should come as no surprise to anyone, pal. Yeah, yeah. Geopolitical tensions all over the place. Good grief. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of last week, U.S. Uh, military made some strikes on some Houthi uh, uh, logistical spots, you know, where they were launching missiles from into the Red Sea, just kind of lobbing mm -hmm. them out there. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, the geopolitical issues are going to uh, are playing and will play a a major role in in monetary and fiscal policy in the year ahead you remember back in the day several years ago there used to be that shampoo called gee your hair smells terrific remember that yeah i mean the modern version of that is geopolitical tensions yeah it's no fun i want no. the shampoo back yeah, federal shampoo. reserve bank of new york president john williams <laughs> said monetary policy is now tight enough to guide inflation back to the fed's target but suggested policymakers need more evidence of cooling inflation before cutting interest rates. I dare, I hate to even almost bring it up, but Janet Yellen did say soft landing last yeah. week, Chip. Yeah. She said it. I, 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 and I'm not going to argue with her. I'm not going to argue with her. But I will argue with, with the expectations on cutting yields. 
you don't cut yields as a reward of getting the inflation rate down to the level that you are targeting. Mm. You cut interest rates to to uh, in, incentivize economic growth. So the only reason that you should be cutting yields or cutting interest rates is if the economy is really struggling. If you pull the trigger on it before the struggles start, what are you going to do later when the struggles do start? Well, and also this chip with additional U.S. aid in doubt. Last week, European leaders decided they faced the prospect of having to fill the gap to maintain support for Ukraine in the war against Russia. Man, they got a lot of work to do before January 19th, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with, with the appropriations bills, a lot of work to do before February 2nd, too. Yeah, it's just crazy to think that they're tying appropriations to Ukrainian funding, tying uh, appropriations to what's happening down at the border. There's This is the most complex, confusing time period of appropriations I think we've ever gone through. Hey, absolutely. Happy MLK Junior Day. Thanks for listening. We got Machine Repeat next here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Machine repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. The markets are closed today for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, but it's Monday. We can't get through a Monday without getting our fix of Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. How you doing, Greg? I am doing pretty well, guys. How are you doing this uh, this Monday? Doing just fine, just fine. So uh, let's get it rolling. What do you got for the pick of the week? Pick of the week, we got to go back last Tuesday. I think we okay. highlighted this sale when we chatted last week, but uh, uh-huh. super nice online farm retirement auction in Flora, Illinois for Rutland Farms by my friends at uh, Schmidt Auction. And some just super nice condition stuff, uh, John Deere tractors in particular. So the pick of the week, I'd probably go with a 2007 John Deere 9234 wheel drive, super sharp, 5,073 hours. That sold for 161,300 bucks, which from a data standpoint, the interesting thing there to note is that's the highest auction price ever on a 9230 with over 4,200 hours. And again, this was almost 5,100. Right. So strong there, but um, 
you know, like we've talked about a lot the last couple of years, four wheel drives, 10, 20, 30 years old, nice condition are just super hot. A couple other highlights, they had a 2000 John Deere 8410, 6,386 hours, sold really strong, 121,100 bucks. That's the highest auction price ever on an 8410, over 6,100 hours. Uh, if we go a little bit older, they had a 92 model, 4960. It did have a rebuilt engine, uh, a little over 700 hours on that. That still brought $77,200. And if we talk combine, the pre-def combines have been doing, of course, very well. In 2010, John Deere 9770 STS, 3,236 engine hours. So, you know, a spring chicken, but uh, 85500 bucks there, good price. Planter. 2017 Kinsey 3600 1631 that brought 91,000 and last one here chipped at a nice grain cart a 2021 Unverfurth 1019 uh, no tracks that brought 59,800 and that, that was interesting on those grain carts those J&Ms and Unverfurths and Brents I always note in our auction prices at machinerypeat.com what color they were because of course red or green and yeah. that one was green so I okay. always have found that kind of interesting. So it was a good sale there Tuesday. <laughs> yep. Okay. So a wide variety of equipment on that retirement auction. Mm-hmm. A good mm-hmm. test of, of the market in the new year. And I don't see yep. many chinks in the armor of the, uh, of the used equipment market there, Greg. No, not on that. You know, it's, this is of course all pre-def. Um, so that's, that kind of supersedes the uh, IRS Section 179 end-of-year yeah. heat. Uh, but, again, um, you're right. That's very, very strong pricing there, and, um, which I guess just shows you no matter when you sell, if you have e- equipment that everybody wants, the uh, buyers are going to find you. Right, right. Okay, anything else from that auction that really caught your attention? Well, those were the sort of the main those items there, there. Of course, you you could always, uh, you know, folks, it, it's, uh, I have to keep reminding folks of this, but if you go to our website, machinerypeat.com, and click on the auction price section, when you're looking at prices, there's a little link there, and you can click it, and it shows you everything that's sold on that auction. So okay. sometimes that's important context to note, uh, particularly on like consignment sales. Uh, you know, you see if everything's sold high or just some stuff. Uh, but, yeah, you can get the whole sale price report at machinerypeat.com down to the, you know, we take it to the level of 500 gallon fuel barrels and we just, we don't care. We just jam those prices in. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Get us out of the Midwest. Take us to the Southeast. What you got, uh, you've got some, some details from a auction down in South Carolina. Yeah. This past uh, Saturday, just a couple of days back, uh, in Lakeview, South Carolina, great auction company down there, Rebel Auction Company at a farm sale, some interesting prices. A 23 model Case IH Puma 185 CVT, only 168 hours on it. That sold for 137000 bucks. Wow. And a Case IH Magnum 200, 2,245 hours. That brought 100000 bucks. John Deere 7280R. Uh, 2,952 hours, went for 132.5. Combine, uh, always interesting out of the Deep South, a case mm-hmm. age 8250, 1140 engine hours, that went for 247.5. Sp- little sprayer, kind of an interesting item, a case age Patriot 2250, not sure of the hours though, that brought 90,000. 
Um, so yeah, kind of interesting to see down out of South Carolina how things sold there on Saturday. Yeah, so the market is good in the southeast too. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, it has been. Yeah, I mean, all across into Texas, out west, uh, up into Canada. Yeah, if you have good condition used equipment, obviously. Um, I think, to a large extent, what's been happening with the new equipment, you know, the price increases and the availability factor, which is getting a little better, but um, you know, a few uh, problem spots here and there, but. Yeah, those price increases just make that nice yep. condition used, no matter where it is, uh, pretty attractive. Yep, yep, absolutely. Okay, there was a consignment auction in the middle of last week, too. Yeah, our friends at Albrecht Auction Service, uh, <clears throat> Dave and the folks that I've known many years out of Vassar, Michigan, they have a bi-weekly online consignment auction that mm -hmm. uh, picks equipment out of Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio, and they had a nice one last Wednesday couple noteworthy items in 1994, Case H, 7220, mechanical front, 3,580 hours, brought 7,2,1. If you like green paint, Jeez. had a 2002, John Deere, 8,120, <coughs> excuse me, 3,986 hours, that brought 114,500 bucks. Uh, so pretty strong there for 22 years old. A little newer, a 2013, John Deere, 6,140R, 749 hours, brought 132,000. Again, if we touch on the combine market, they had a 2009 Case H 7088, 1,650 SEP hours, brought 72,000. And let's see, what else? How about this one? Uh, grinder mixers. We talk about how hot yeah. they can be. Uh, yeah. At a nice Gale MX125, brought 12,350. So, uh, yeah, okay. and you can see some pretty active bidding there last Wednesday out of the kind of the upper Midwest area there. Yep. Yep. I got to tell you, Greg, uh, the conversation that you and I had here on AgriTalk a couple of weeks ago about how dealers are being a little more aggressive in managing their inventory, uh, looking mm -hmm. for a quicker turn and using the auction system to, to make that happen. It's caught, a, it's caught yep. a lot of attention. That could be what's going on with some of these consignment auctions, right? Well, it, yeah, I think things are just, it's, it's hard because we're right in it. It's hard to pull back and see you know, grasp how, how things have changed. But yeah. since the pandemic, the just the just the growth across the board, all across North America of the vibrancy of these online auctions, uh, online consignments. So, yeah, that's right. you know, we're seeing dealers do a couple things. One, they might have their own event. And, you know, we saw a lot of those down the stretch in 23 where a dealer would have, uh, you know, 30 combines or 10 sprayers or 25 late model tractors. But they can also, you know, sneak a couple into the regional online consignment yeah. sale, and they're having yeah. good success with that. So they just have more vibrant ways to get to move their excess used inventory than they did 10 years ago when things slowed down. Certainly, certainly. Okay, uh, what are you watching? What's coming up? Well, got my eyes back down in the south. Again, that's kind of okay. a barometer for me when if I see pricing changing down there. But, again, it's been strong. But uh, this coming Saturday, January 20th, uh, the fifth annual Marshall County Equipment Auction out of Holly Springs, Mississippi, which that sounds like a wonderful place mm -hmm. to be. I've never been to Holly Springs. But a couple of interesting tractors of note they're selling, a Kubota M6111 mechanical front with a loader only 178 hours on it the uh, owner had just passed away on that one so pretty low hour Kubota there mm -hmm. um, John Deere 6175R with a loader 1631 hours on it a couple nice slightly older models the John Deere 7610 mechanical just under 5500 hours with a loader 
in a John Deere 8310R with about $5,000 on it. And the auction company on this sale Saturday in Mississippi, folks, is Riles Auction, great company down there in Mississippi. So, again, the sale is Saturday. Uh, just, you know, Google it or hit machine repeat. You'll find it. Uh, Riles Auction, yeah. Holly Springs, Mississippi on Saturday. Gotcha, gotcha. We only got about a minute left, but you were talking about going south. Let's go all the way south because you got an interesting <laughs> request from Facebook follower last week. Yeah, a guy from Australia. I had commented on the average auction price on John Deere 4440s over the decades, and he said, hey, Pete, my favorite tractor is a 4455, and he posted a beautiful picture of it. He said, what's the average pricing on that baby? And it's interesting. Uh, last year, Chip, the average auction price, 4455, was $48,887, highest ever. Ten years ago, it was 36127 if we go back 20 years, the average was 35,472. So you go from 35 and a half to almost 49. That's uh, pretty amazing. It certainly is. Certainly is. Good stuff and global appeal there of Machinery P. Good stuff, Greg. Thanks, buddy. Hey, see you next week, Chip. You bet. That's Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. Stay tuned. We've got Alan Hoskins from American Farm Mortgage up next here on AgriTalk. Produce higher yields and greater value at harvest. Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. January 15th, 2024, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and it's MLK Jr.'s actual birthday. He was born in 1929 and was the face of the civil rights movement with an unwavering message of nonviolent protests until his assassination on April 4, 1968. His leadership featured a message of mutual respect and shared responsibility for peace in America, a message that still needs to be heard across the country. The markets are closed today for what is the third of the last four Mondays, and anxiety among bean traders has been high emerging from the three-day weekends. Did rain live up to the expectations? How did the forecast change from Friday? Who's going to be next with a smaller or larger than expected estimate of Brazil's corn and soybean crops? And how will the markets respond to the updated crop outlooks? And there's more to come. The next three-day weekend is just a month away for President's Day, with the markets closed February 19th. And with the late planting of this year's Brazilian bean crop, that might be the weekend that holds the biggest change in crop estimates from Monday to Tuesday. For today, traders are still digesting the dump truck of 
data that was unloaded by USDA on Friday, and there's bound to be some hangover trade from the trends that developed at the end of last week. Tomorrow's trade will undoubtedly be driven by Brazilian weather during another three-day weekend in the middle of their growing season. But for today, reflect on why the markets are closed. Reflect on the man the country celebrates today and reflect on how the messages from Martin Luther King Jr. are needed just as badly today as they were in the 60s. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, We need to talk a little bit of banking and the condition of the banking system and what to expect going forward. Because, boy, it feels like we're into a big-time transition with what to expect on interest rates. Alan Hoskins is the President and National Sales Director for the American Farm Mortgage and Financial Services, and he joins us right now. Alan, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? Chip, I'm doing well. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. really appreciate it. All right. Glad that you are here, Alan. We need some... uh, we need some perspective because it feels like we're into this transition period. But to to baseline those those uh, expectations, I think we need to get a status update of what the current condition of the banking system is. How good? It, uh, what is the condition? Well, I think Chip, that if you look at the data that's put out by the Federal Reserve, and you look specifically within the agricultural banking segment, you still see a lot of strength in that segment. I think that certainly shouldn't be a tremendous surprise if you look at where farm balance sheets have trended, both from a working capital perspective as well as owner's equity and income as well. Obviously, that's not a balance sheet item, but if you look at where those numbers have been over the past few years, that's led to some strength within the ag banking sector. The regulators certainly continue to monitor that situation. They understand as well as we do, where commodity prices are, where input prices are. So I think, Chip, there's been some strength added within the ag banking community. And obviously, going into 2024, we see some trends that are probably going to potentially squeeze cash flows a little bit, perhaps. But I think from a strength standpoint right now, we're going into the year in a good position. Okay. What are some what's some of the evidence that you look at when you say that it, that that ag banking is in a good position? I mean, are delinquencies on loans low? What what what's the evidence? If, if you look at the data that Federal Reserve puts out on the ag banking community, yes, uh-huh. delinquencies are trending downward, Chip, and are in a very manageable position according to the data that they provide. And I do like that data, Chip, because the the Federal Reserve Bank out of Kansas City, I think, does a good job with that in looking at those numbers and analyzing the group as a whole. Obviously, you can look at any individual circumstance and find data to support any theory sure. that you want. Yeah. But that particular data tends to be, in my opinion, something that I place value in because I think they have a good cross-section of ag production 
within their territory. So I think it fits very well in trying to understand what the strength of the banking sector looks like, what delinquencies look like. So that's kind of my go-to source. What does loan demand look like in the ag industry right now? Is it climbing as we get into 2024 or steady? What's the situation? Well, I think, Chip, it depends on which segment we want to look at. Okay. If you look at the real estate side, obviously, because of the increased interest rates, there's not a lot of refinancing activity going on other than if there's some outliers that maybe need to be looked at individually. Okay. So that particular sector, I would say we're not seeing quite as much activity in it. Also, there's at least in our area, Chip, the sales that I've seen recently in our area, there's a fair amount of 1031 money that's out there. So that's limiting the opportunity for purchases. So the real estate side, I would tell you, is probably fairly soft. There's still, if you look at the operating side and you look at the equipment side, there's still some opportunities out there for that. But again, with where interest rates have gone, it's about making sure that the opportunity makes sense for the producer, particularly when you're looking at equipment-related debt. Right. Right. Okay. So uh, let's take a look forward into 2024. You mentioned that for various reasons, there's looks like there's going to be a squeeze on some balance sheets into 2024. What are some of those challenges that you see for the year ahead? Well, I, I think, number one, you talked about where interest rates are. We're certainly looking at higher interest rates for operating lines than where we were this time a year ago. So that's going to create some margin challenges for producers. I would say that with what we've seen here in the past, well, so far this year, basically, if you look at where we've seen commodity press trends moving, that's also going to create some margin challenges. Now, I certainly, Chip, don't have a good crystal ball as far as, far as where ultimately prices will move. Uh-huh. But I would say that that's something that folks need to be mindful of. One of the other things that I've not heard a whole lot of discussion about yet, we're coming up very quickly on the period where our crop insurance base is going to be determined. Right. So I think that's something, Chip, that as folks are working on their marketing plans going into 2024, I think making sure, we talk a lot of times about rate-shocking debt. Yeah. And I think that's important that people do that. However, I think shocking the revenue side is equally important. So I think, Chip, those are some things that, as I go into tw- or as we go into 2024, those are some things that are on my mind. The other thing, Chip, I'm also thinking about something two to three years down the road. Okay, we're we're now into basically the second year of some pretty healthy rate increases. Mm-hmm. If you go back a few years ago, there was a fair amount of debt that may have been put on either a three-year or five-year balloon. Right. So when we start looking at possibly as early as next year, but then a couple of years down the road, I think make, making sure producers are mindful of their balance sheet and what debt that they have that's repricing and, and having those discussions with their lender now, what does, 
what does my operation look like if that debt that's going to repress in two or three years actually we're repressing today? So that we're thinking ahead as far as how do we handle that transition? Yeah, debt that is repricing, man. That I don't. It's not going to affect a majority of producers that are out there, but it is going to affect those that have those balloon payments coming up. And Mm -hmm. and uh, it's it it is something that has been on my mind as well, Alan. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought it up. Glad that you did. Now we're in this transition. We've gone from and you know, a period of anticipating higher rates to now, you know, some of the expectations on how many rate cuts we're going to get in, in 2024, I think are ridiculous. And I've voiced that opinion many times, but interest rates likely are steady to lower in 2024. How does that change planning for, for producers? Chip, in my view, What we do is we understand where we are today and we put perhaps a couple of alternative plans in place because very candidly, the Fed did not act initially the way that we thought they would. Right. They were they were delayed in some of these rate increases. And I'll admit, Chip, I was wrong for so long about where interest rates would go. I don't try to predict interest rate movements. I think it's prudent, however, to look at what's the effect on the operation. How do I manage my margin if I'm a producer? If we're looking at a 50 basis point decrease or a 100 basis point decrease. And... If you balance the producer and the lender, I think those discussions are important to where ultimately, whether it's operating line debt or whether it's perhaps equipment debt or something other, that the lender and the producer work together to find a solution that's palatable to them both. But also, we understand that we don't operate in a vacuum, and how do we anticipate working together for the benefit of the producer if we see that rate decrease or those multiple rate decreases as have been spoken of. So I think, Chip, it's important to have some discussions about that now so that when we do start to see or if we do start to see those rate adjustments, then there's already a basis upon which the relationship has been built yep. to talk about how we can work to maximize the benefit to that producer. Excellent. You know, and you are absolutely right. That's a very, that is a prudent warning, Alan, when we think about the inability to predict exactly what this Fed is going to do. It doesn't matter how well they telegram it. And and they try, they try to telegram mm-hmm. it. Doesn't matter how well they do that. They can still be wrong in their own telegramming and yes. uh, it it, uh, it it can create some issues down the road. So start the conversation now is what I hear you saying yeah. in anticipation of those lower rates and how you're going to work together. Yes. And, and Chip, I think it's important to remember that it's not a surprise to any of us that 2024 is an election year and we hear that the Fed is not a political body. However, we don't know what 
affects an upcoming election, mind or mind. Right. Right. There's another potential black swan or or unknown wild card for us out there, isn't it? Alan, great perspective, man. Thank you so much for making time for us. Chip, I really appreciate it. Always enjoy the uh, opportunity to uh, help and always more than willing to do that anytime I can. Excellent. Appreciate that, Alan. That is Alan Hoskins, President and National Sales Director, American Farm Mortgage and Financial Services. Davis and I will be right back. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk on this uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, hey, heads up about this afternoon. It's going to mm-hmm. be Davis is is hosting. That's right. Uh, we've got, uh, I, I don't know what this note means here, but evidently the guest analyst is Flip Chory. What? Mm-hmm. Who, who, yeah. what? A new voice. A new A voice. New voice? Oh. That sounds an awful lot like, well, old voice. That sounds harsh. A familiar voice. How's that? A familiar tone. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm going to pick Chip's brain for about yes. a half hour on the show. Ta- it's going to be awesome. We're talking markets this afternoon yep. here That's right. on on AgriTalk. Uh, but it, really interesting conversation there with Alan. It's a transition mm-hmm. period. And trying to figure out what the nuances and the subtleties are going to be as we go through this transition, because you know we've argued – uh, that the old economic models that have been in place for decades probably don't work or didn't work in this post-pandemic recovery market. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sure if they work to this day yet, Davis. Uh, yeah. There's there's just a, a lot of uncertainty going forward. So plan, plan ahead. That's the bottom line from from Alan is, is the conversations – that you think you might have to have in six months, eight months, a year, mm-hmm. have them today. Have them today so that everybody that you're working with is on the same page. That's good uh, stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've Big got day the, in uh, Iowa. I was going to say, we got uh, we got something going there in Iowa. I've got just a couple of little blurbs here from last week's news copy. Um, okay. Chris Christie ended his uh, bid for the presidency. That was Wednesday last week. Right. Um, 
The thought initially was that could potentially benefit Nikki Haley's prospects in New Hampshire. A CNN right. poll last week showed Haley moving to within single digits of President, uh, former President Trump in New Hampshire. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, former president says he has chosen his running mate, but yeah. going back to last week, didn't mention who. Right. Yeah, come on. There's, there's only one, right? I don't know. I don't. You know. don't think? What about Super Tuesday? Mm-hmm. It's coming right up. Sure is. If if uh, if you're going to take on Nikki Haley on Super Tuesday, and you're looking to tip the scales one way or another, wouldn't you put South Carolina and Tim Scott on your uh, on your ballot? I think I probably would. Yeah. I think that's probably where he's going. Um, hmm. And I, I think we'll we'll find out, obviously, before we get to that. I I would think. But, uh, boy, oh, boy, talk about a big day here in the state of Iowa. And, and Davis, to you, doesn't it feel like it's a battle, obviously, for number two? Well, it it really does it for, for so many. I would argue for too many. It feels like the... Trump GOP nomination is a foregone conclusion. And I would argue that those same people just assume that a second Trump presidency is a foregone conclusion. And I am not one who's comfortable with foregone conclusions at all. I get myself into trouble when I begin to adopt foregone conclusions into my worldview, dude. Well, I I think as long as we're going down this path of foregone conclusions, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Biden's going to be the Democrat on the on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's right. Yeah, I don't either. Um, And and is Kamala Harris going to be his running mate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or is it going to be Californian California governor Newsom? And if it's Newsom. Uh, then the deal has already been cut, Davis. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, uh, Newsom is not going to come on board to be VP. No. For four years, he might he might come on board to be VP for a year mm-hmm. to eventually be anointed. Boy, Tim Burak did a great job of laying this out and what the chatter is yeah, in the did. state of Iowa leading up to, to the caucuses last week on the Farmer Forum, uh, but. Essentially, what would happen is Newsom would then be anointed. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Nope. Mm-hmm. Can you believe we're talking about this? Kind of. Actually, Man. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scary. You know, Barack's, uh, Tim Barack's other thought uh, yeah. in, in, involved another figure that we're all fairly familiar right. with. Michelle Obama. Yeah. Right. If, he, if it makes it, if... The Biden-Harris idea makes it all the way to the Democrat convention this summer. Um, that That's where the opportunity for some kind of a blow-up mm-hmm. could exist where we come out of the convention with Michelle Obama as the nominee rather than Joe Biden and... Uh, and Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that that picked up steam or the the possibility of that was intriguing, uh, more intriguing last week, is because Michelle Obama basically came out and said, listen, 
whatever we have to do to stop Donald Trump from becoming president again, we yep. need to do it. Yep. That's the first time that I recall that Michelle Obama weighed in on something like that, Davis. Well, and I almost feel like you could substitute what uh, Tim was saying about a potential Biden um, with Newsom ticket. Yep. What about a Biden Obama ticket in which yeah. Michelle comes in as uh, the VP candidate? Yeah. And then suddenly Mr. Biden is no longer the president, and, oh, we've got Michelle Obama now. Right, right. Another anointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's the strangest, strangest uh, presidential election year ever. Um, I mean, Davis, here we are today in the state of Iowa. We've got the caucuses, the first choice. The first, the first time someone's being chosen. Hmm. And leading up to it, it's felt more like a race between DeSantis and, and Haley than it has a, a race between Trump, DeSantis, and Haley. Trump is kind of the default, I, I think. And I don't know if that's how it's going to turn out today or not. Uh, it might, but it might not. Well, we've got to stay tuned. The results are going to start rolling in. There's no question about that. Hey, come back tomorrow morning, 10.06 Central, for more Agritalk.